Welcome to a special edition of the Jenny Carlson Show. We aren't in the business yet of doing emergency Jenny pods, but for this guy, we are making an, an exception. And Sam Mays is joining me. Sam, you have had a week, my friend. Yeah, no doubt. I am um, happy to be here on this Bedlam Thursday. There's no doubt about it. It was looking a little weird uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, but uh, I'm out of the hospital and and uh, ready to go for the weekend. We got to talk about that and so much more. But before we get too far along, let's thank our sponsors, Oklahoma Ford Dealers, Laser Light Skin Clinic, MidFirst Bank, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, Fire Lake Golf and Fire Lake Arena, Next Generation Roofing, and remember, drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. Hey, Sam, did you have some sponsors you want to thank? I do, and they're all the same sponsors that you just thanked, so we're good to go. Double them. We thank them twice. We thank them big. How about Absolutely. that? Absolutely. <laughs> we couldn't be here without you guys. Thank you so much. Well, like you said, it is Bedlam week, Sam, but uh, the rivalry took a backseat for you this week. You mentioned you were in the hospital a few days. What, what that you Monday was the day that things kind of went off the rails. Walk us through what happened, how, how those uh, three or four days went. Yeah, so I've I've been having just a hard time um, breathing, and I felt like it was really through my sinuses more than anything through my nose. And so I just go into my doctor, and I'm like, "Hey, man, this is the problem." And uh, they took my blood pressure, and it was very high, like 180 over something. And then my father actually suggested that I have the doctor do an EKG on me. So he uh, does an EKG, uh, looks at me, and says, "Well, either you have." had a heart attack or you are having a heart attack either way you've got to go to the er so i uh, hopped in the vehicle went to the er there in integris and edmund they were fantastic the entire time that i was there and um basically what i had was like a hypertension crisis so it wasn't actually a heart attack it was a hypertension crisis uh my heart rate my blood pressure got up to like 210 over 110 at one point oh, my. Uh, monday night it was pretty wild um you know after doing uh, echoes and uh, angiograms and all the things. It turns out that I don't have any blockage in my heart, but what I do have is just with un unchecked blood pressure for years, I'm, I am having some thickening of the heart muscles, the walls of my heart, uh, and my aorta is dilated. Um, so as far as, you know, what's next, next steps, obviously I've got to make some life changes uh, and the way that I just, you know, from the way that I work out, it's got to change. No more heavy lifting weights for me. Um, I've got to, you know, change my diet, lose some weight, some of those things. But it was, you know, it's a pretty big slap in the face when you realize that because of the way that I go and just kind of not paying attention the way that I should and not taking my medicine the way that I should, that I've done some permanent damage uh, to myself. So pretty humbling um, week for sure. But I am cleared to go to the game this weekend, clear to, you know, resume my normal everyday activities, traveling and all those things for my, my day job. And, um, you know, now I just kind of have to look forward and not look back and, you know, find a way to move past this stuff and, and treat myself a little bit better. So yeah, it was pretty wild there for a minute. Thank goodness you listened to your dad's advice, man. That was huge. Right. Yeah, no question. Um, yeah, I'm excited that, you know, dad's, dad's had quadruple bypass and pacemaker. So like hypertension and heart stuff kind of runs in my family. And so it's even more ignorant for me not to have, 
been on it more than I was. You know what I mean? Like I should have definitely been paying more attention to it. So um, crazy situation. I've got to say a big thank you to my fiance. She was, Brittany was incredible for the last three days and you just stayed with me at the hospital for nights and, you know, was there for every doctor's meeting and took all the notes. And, um, you know, I guarantee you that she's going to get me healthy. There's no question about it. Like she's, she's on a mission, so she's going to get a handle. Well, she was not only at your side, she was on the social media sharing with everybody what was gone. She was even joking about, Hey, just everybody, everybody tells Sam, Mike Gundy said, Bedlam isn't just another game and everything will be okay. She even had the humor, Sam. Right. Yeah. No, she, uh, she looked at Twitter and was like, did you really just tweet out to 35,000 people that you had a heart attack? And I was like, well, I'm trying to keep the people in the loop. Right. And so she just kind of, she's got a great sense of humor and she went along with it. And, uh, you know, the, the Bedlam conversation in my house is one that I take pretty serious. And, you know, Jenny, you know, my record in Bedlam and the passion and fire behind Les Miles and the way that he coached this game and the way we prepared for this game. So, you know, it is, it is way more than just a game to me. And, uh, yeah, she was she was pretty awesome on Twitter for sure. And big thank you to everybody who showed all the love and kindness and support on social media. You guys were great, and I was pretty blown away by the amount of people that you know were wishing us well and yeah. and giving us advice and all the things. So it was uh, you know every once in a while the social community will come up in a big way and maybe not be the cesspool we always like to think it is. But it was uh, it was pretty cool to see all those people reaching out to me. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it sounds like you want to talk bedlam, but I got one more question because I know. Three nights in the hospital. Nobody ever gets sleep in the hospital. How are you, are you just going to like nap until game time on Saturday to try to recover from the last couple of days? I am so tired. And you're like the one person that's like said that, right? Like, there, I mean, there was just hardly like I was in a bed for three days, basically. But with my blood pressure being as crazy as it was, they were waking me up like every three hours. So I got home today. And the first thing I wanted to do was lay down and take a a nap. So it's, uh, I think I'll, I'll be up and running full speed tomorrow. i got a big day and, uh, and then, uh, yeah, I'll probably try to get a little rest early Saturday morning. You know, obviously, you know, tomorrow night and Saturday morning, and then I'll probably head that way around 10 o'clock or so, taking some of the festivities, you know, Stillwater does as far as tailgating is concerned. Uh, Oklahoma state does it as good as anybody in the big 12, you know, you get 30, 40,000 people out there tailgating for this game. So the college football football spectacle will be alive and well in Stillwater. Yeah, it's a great scene and it's grown up so organically in Stillwater. It's fun because you walk around and out of nowhere, here will be this big pocket of people having their tailgates. It's it's really been kind of cool to see that grow over the years. And I kind of think of it as an outgrowth of some of what you all, when you were at OSU, obviously started there in 2000, went to 2004. I mean, those were kind of the foundational years in a lot of ways for what we're seeing now. And the Bedlam success, Sam, we can't undersell that. What you guys did in Bedlam, no doubt, had an impact on that. How do you see? I know that's a big picture question before we talk memories and stuff like that. But man, how do you sort of see that impact on the program? Yeah, I mean, our our class was absolutely instrumental in the success that Oklahoma State uh, has had in the last twenty years. Right, we really kind of began um, this mindset, this attitude, building the brand. You know, I think that Les Miles truly embodied what in my opinion it means to be an Oklahoma State Cowboy it is tough it is gritty it's about the fight you know and we did it with a bunch of Oklahoma kids and a few kids from out of state that showed up and just had enough of a of a toughness and a belief in their coach uh, to find a way to beat some of the greatest Oklahoma teams of all time right and some of the greatest uh, Big 12 teams of all times this conference was by far the best conference in college football 
uh, from 2000 and 2004 and the lowly Oklahoma State Cowboys that were too short and too slow and weren't highly recruited and all those things, we stood the test, right? We, we beat some of the best teams in conference at that time. And uh, yeah, those Bedlam games were very, very special, but Bedlam games that we believed in, you know, I think that's probably the thing that really mattered the most to coach miles was that we believed that we could get it done. That the national narrative and the Tommy Harris on the sports illustrated, and you know, these Jason white, this and Adrian Peterson, that's, and, you know, all that hype train arounding that team, you still got to go play, right? And on any given Saturday, anything is possible if you believe. And I think that was really the message that forever stuck with me from Bedlam. And yeah, man, that class was great. You know, the Rashawn Woods that you talked to this week, Josh Fields, and, you know, all those guys were great. The John Wilgamus, who was a walk-on that ended up getting a, a scholarship, you know, Tay Neese from Thomas, Oklahoma, Ben Bowie from Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, Chris Aiken from Weatherford, you know, those kids were the backbone of this program and they built it to where it is today. So I'm super proud about being part of those, those early years at Oklahoma state. You, you get, you were part of two of the most memorable bedlams ever, 2001, 2002. And it wasn't just because the Cowboys won those games, 16, 13, you only need to say those two numbers to people in this state. And they know exactly what you're talking about. And Rashawn's still open and people know what you're talking about. <laughs> right. What do you, I mean, I can think of a million things I remember about those games, but you're in the middle of the fray. What do you remember? Let's start with 16-13. What do you remember most about that game down in Norman? So I, I think the thing that – I'm trying to remember how many games that we won that year. Was it – we had won three games, I think, going into that. Three, yeah. Going yeah. into that game, yeah. Um, tough season, right? I was in my redshirt freshman year. I was backing up Jason Russell at the time who had been in and out of games left and right. And I was just getting my tail kicked, right? I think I played the first full game I played was Missouri that year. And I gave up three sacks and two tackles for a loss. And my offensive line coach literally on Sunday said, you tried to lose that game for us, right? He literally said those words to me. So <laughs> as, uh, as Jason um, was on the field that day, I'm standing next to him. I, my task was to stand next to Chuck Moeller unless miles because at any given moment jason was going to need me to go in the game so wow. i want to say i had to go in maybe for two or three plays as he was dealing i forget what it was a knee or ankle but he was a warrior that day and i will never forget the way that he competed essentially on one leg limping up to the line of scrimmage um but it just you know it's one of those things where you you are part of a game like that and all of a sudden you know you look up at the clock and it's like oh my god we're like in this and you look across the sidelines and you see the look on the opponent's face like they believe that we're in this. And I think that was the first moment I had was looking across the sidelines and seeing the frustration, you know, on Coach Stoops' face and frustration on their sidelines. They just couldn't get us off the field. And, you know, the offense was moving and Rashawn was open. And, you know, here comes this freshman in Josh Fields who no one expected to see that day and who has this heroic drive. I mean, it was just like watching a movie, Jenny. I mean, that's the best way for me to describe it was – just watching a movie as that ball flew over my head to the end zone when Rashawn caught it and everybody on our sidelines just leaped up in the air. It was, it was just one of the most amazing feelings that you'd ever have because we had had such a, a rough season, but a tough coach, right? So let's never let us get, hang our heads too low. We were trying to figure some things out. We were coming out of a, a Bob Simmons era that was just stagnant, you know, as far as uh, team mentality and and just you know just the, the whole thing just was bad as Simmons was going out and so Les had to rebuild it from the foundation and we were going through that process 
so that to see Rashawn catch that ball and for us to win that game was just the ultimate moment, you know, moving forward, the boost that we needed to, into those next couple of seasons that were tremendous for us. But the thing that I'll tell you this, the thing that really I'll never forget is uh, we are headed back up to Stillwater. So we no bowl, right? No bowl for us. So Coach Miles told us that if you weren't or if you were from Oklahoma or you had family at the game, you can go home with them. So I would say 65 or 70% of the team was from Oklahoma and or from Texas. So they went home with their parents, right? So on this bus, there's probably 35 of us headed back up to Stillwater. Well, that night, an Eddie Sutton coached Oklahoma State basketball team, which was a national contender year in, year out at that time, had just played a preseason game. So all the Oklahoma State fans that showed up for a non-con preseason game was like 8,000 people. They stayed in the arena to welcome us back to Stillwater. So here we are, this ragtag group of kids. <laughs> Most of us hadn't even stepped in the field for the game, but we're like welcome back like heroes, bedlam heroes into the basketball arena. People are standing up, standing ovation. We're all waving like we're Miss America, celebrating this thing. And the party that unraveled that night in Stillwater was one for the ages, like one of those things that you're just thankful there's no cell phone video, uh, no proof of anything uh, <laughs> happening that that night. But it was it was just wild. I mean, it was like people it was like Christmas. You know, no one Oklahoma was going to a national championship game. They were unbeatable. The juggernaut. We went down there to be slaughtered. Right. What was what the state narrative was. So to come back victorious was just unbelievable. Yeah, it was a crazy game. I, the You mentioned less a couple of times and I want to get to 2002 in a second, but Let's talk about Les for a second, because he was fiery outwardly. Um, we heard all of the he, he said all of the things that coaches, I assume, tell their players never to say. But he said them and he said them publicly and stuff that always got people fired up. So what was it like to hear your head coach say stuff like that? And what was he what was he saying behind the scenes? You talked about that belief that he instilled in you guys. What what was all of that like swirling around you all? So Les very much, he, Les was a pirate at heart, right? Like he very much liked the street fight of, of football, the, br the brutality of it all. He liked taking the fight to the opponent, you know, throwing a, throwing a haymaker and seeing how people react to it. And so when you talk about those guys that I mentioned, you know, the Ben Bowie's and the Chris Aikens and, you know, these Oklahoma boys, well, they're signed them up, right? They're 100%. Uh, all about that, just getting in a fight in the field and let's see who's going to be the, the best man. doesn't matter how tall you are, how big you are, how fast you are. Let's just get out there and, and throw some punches. And so he, he prepped us like that, right? Our offense was simple, but it was about physicality. We had one of the best rushing attacks in the country that year, one of the best offensive lines in the country that year, headed by a bunch of sophomores. You know, myself and uh, Ben and, and Chris were all young, a couple of great, great tackles on the, on either end. And, you know, we had excellent backs and Tatum Bell and, and Seymour Shaw in that group. I mean, they were fantastic. We just had the right weapons. You know, you mentioned Rashawn and Billy Bajima, you know, comes to mind as far as uh, some Bedlam heroics. And we just had the right group of 24 kids, right? The biggest difference between Oklahoma State at that time and a team like Oklahoma or Texas was we had like 24, 25 kids that were the, were the heartbeat, the backbone. Without those kids, or nothing, right? Oklahoma's got like 40 at that time or 50 that they could play and interchange in and out. So we just didn't have the depth, but we had that group. We had that starting lineup that was fierce enough. And man, I'll, that pregame speech before the walk, you know, he gets in there and, and he's writing something on the whiteboard. And I just remember him 
I don't can't remember what the exact words were, but it was just it was basically just we fight, right? That was his mentality. Let's just go out there and see what they got. Let's see how tough they really are. And I remember we just stood up, we cheered as loud as we could, and uh, it was like that walk was two seconds. Like it was like we jogged to the stadium. And I remember the first couple of plays. So Tommy Harris was, you know, obviously my personal arch nemesis there at Oklahoma, the best defensive tackle in the country. And it was always nice that Les was a former offensive lineman, so he understood the value of of matchups up front. And so that first couple of plays we ran were some counters that shifted Tommy down to a one technique. And at that point, I was like 330 pounds, and he was, you know, 295 pounds or something like that, just incapable of doing a whole lot with me on my inside eye. And so Les schemed it where, you know, that was going to be the the play, this first two plays that we ran. And let me tell you something, Jenny, if you would have called a timeout and asked me what the score of that game was going to be after those first two plays, I would have told you 50 to nothing. Like it was just instantaneous belief that they weren't prepared for that fight. They weren't prepared mm-hmm. for that moment. And we went out there and just kicked them up and down that football field. And it re- really was unfortunate. We remember getting pretty upset uh, about midway through the, third or maybe going in the fourth quarter you could tell the play calling had changed right it was just like it was like they called off the wolves a little bit but we wanted every bit of 50 points in that game and I feel like we could have got it if we would have continued playing at the pace that we were uh but yeah man that was that was one of the most dominant performances that I think we've ever had as a football team and it was from the jump like right off the bat we were just all over them yeah, 38-28. That of, of all the scores in the last say 20 or 25 years, that's probably the one that doesn't tell the true story of that game cuz you guys got out to a 28-0 lead in the first half for crying out loud. Right. Yeah, it was uh it was pretty amazing. And, and anything that we wanted to do, we were able to uh to do, no question. It was a pretty awesome feeling. I want to backtrack just a second. You were talking about a lot of Oklahoma guys that you played with, but you aren't a native of Oklahoma. Didn't grow up with Bedlam. Did you have a welcome to Bedlam moment either in, I don't know, when you were redshirting in 2000 or 2001, or or did you have sort of a, wow, now I know what this thing is. So you got to go back to 2000, right? Tony Lindsay is a quarterback. Was it Tony in 2000, right? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. So. I forget what that score was, but I'm on the side. I just remember that. So from the jump of the game, right, OU comes out of the tunnel, and I'm not going to name the person, but I'm pretty sure one of my teammates punched Mark Mangino in the gut in a in a scuffle, right in the in the corner of the end zone. There's like this fight that breaks out, and I'm going in with fist ready to go, right. And Josh Lynn, who was one of the seniors, grabs me by the back of my horse collar, yanks me back, and looks at me and says, "What are you doing?" And I was like, I'm not playing. You know, there's a there's something I can do here. Let me go there and throw a couple of punches. And he refused to let me go. Josh was a good leader uh, in that way. But yeah, I'm pretty sure someone sucker punched Mark Mangino in the uh, in the gut before that game. Um, it was just so wild, right? So oh instantaneously, God. you know, my heart rate is up. And then you look around the stadium, and it's like, holy crap, there's people here, right? That that first season at Oklahoma State. I mean, I can't, I don't know what the numbers look like as far as attendance, but I would be shocked if it was more than 17, 18,000 people. You know what I mean? Like it was pretty open in the, uh, in the stadium. And so to see all those OU fans in there and that stadium full was weird, right? Like I was uh, pretty blown away by the, just the number of people there, which instantaneously hypes it up, right? It makes you feel a little more energy in the, in the place. And so that game goes four quarters. It's a fist fight comes down to the final moments. 
and I'm pretty sure it was Marcellus Rivers. Am I telling this right, Denny's? Was yep, Marcellus Rivers in the end zone? Yep, you, you got yep. it right. Keep going. Yep. We threw, uh, there was a couple of tight ends. Marcellus was one of the best tight ends in the country that year. Big physical guy. We had two of them, Kari Jackson and Marcellus Rivers. But they throw the ball to Marcellus twice in the end zone. And I think it just went over his fingertips both times. We ended up losing that game in the final moments. But it was wild, man. I had an OU fan behind me, hit me in the helmet. I tried to climb up in the stands. It was nuts. Oh like, it was God. just like that first taste of, of like what true hatred was in, a, in that game for me. And I was hooked from then on out. And you got to like, remember, so I'm from Northeastern Ohio. And if you're from Northeastern Ohio, the only thing you're doing on Saturdays is cheering on the Buckeyes. So I 100% know what a rivalry means and that venom that comes with Ohio State, Michigan. And so it was easy for, for me to conform to, to Bedlam, easy for me to understand what it meant, but it wasn't into that game. And I could, you know, you could really feel the venom coming off OU fans in the stadium and, the, you know, the stuff that they were talking from the sidelines and, all kinds of names were being called. Like it was amazing. Like it, I couldn't at that moment, it was like, I can't wait till Bedlam next year. Like it was um, fantastic. So my yeah. introduction was, uh, was pretty awesome. Can we do this again next week? Sort of thing. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. You bring up that venom and that vitriol because I know you've heard this, you know, Mike Gundy talking about players getting chummy and I do, you know, I think there's some truth to the fact that these guys, you know, they do know each other probably better because of social media, the national camp, seven on seven, I mean, all these sorts of things that we know are happening nowadays. There probably is a little bit more chumminess that hate maybe has dissipated a little bit. Do you sense that being less now? I mean, you you obviously aren't in the fray anymore, but you know what these guys, you know, what it looks like, what it sounds like. Do you? It sounds like the hate was alive and well when you were playing. Oh, has yeah. it died off a little bit? I mean, I, I don't think that it has died off very much. I mean, I think there's something to say about what Gundy said about relationships now. These kids are, you know, they, they train together in the offseason. They've been at nike camps and under armor camps and you know they've been re on recruiting trips together and so and then social media has made the world about you know the size of an acorn at this point so yeah i think there is more um there's more knowledge of your opponent but i don't think that takes away from the edge of this game you know when that first whistle blows on saturday those dudes will be out there for blood i think you could hear it in trace ward's voice you know some of the comments that he's made this week about the game and mike gundy and i think he wants to have a a pretty good showing. You know, I think there's a lot of passion in this game. And now with Oklahoma a little wounded last week and you know, Oklahoma state's one of the hottest conversations in uh, college football with their star running back, Ollie Gordon, like there's just a lot of momentum for the Cowboys. And I think the Sooners probably, re they don't like that very much either, you know, that they aren't uh, the biggest story coming into this game. So yeah, I think once that game kicks off Saturday afternoon, it'll be fist will be flying for sure. I got to ask you about your favorite Bedlam memory from your playing days, but you just said something I want to talk about a sec because, you know, you were talking about all the Oklahoma guys that from the state that were on those OSU teams that you were on. There's a lot of Oklahoma guys on the OSU roster currently. I think 51 is the number if you count all the walk-ons. There for a while, Oklahoma didn't have quite as many. I think they're up to 28 now with their walk-ons, which is a lot more than they had for a few years. I think those Oklahoma guys change the dynamic. When you've got a Colin Oliver, when you've got a Trace Ford, when you've got these guys, Marcus Major, I mean, whoever you want to go down the list and talk about, they've seen this thing. It, it hits differently. I think that's a big game changer in this rivalry. And I'm kind of curious to see as Oklahoma seems to have gotten back into the recruiting of in-state kids a lot more. I think that could, if these two could get back on the field, 
in the next few years, I think it would be great because they're going to have a lot of kids that know what Bedlam's about. Right. No, I, I think that the Oklahoma kids that I played with really kind of taught me what it was to be an Oklahoma State Cowboy, right? Most of the times their families had grown up, you know, Cowboy fans and you go to their houses and there's memorabilia from the Cowboys for 20, 30 years. Grandfathers had, you know, gone and played and they're sitting down, you know, after dinner telling me stories about what it was like in the 50s and 60s. And, you know, I, I think you truly, the in-state kids were the backbone of the program. You know, they were the heartbeat of the program. They were that, that, that fight, you know, and Oklahoma kids, I think, get such a bad rap in recruiting. You know, there isn't the amount of money in some of these schools that there are in places like where I'm from or down in Texas. You know, it's not, you know, a, a football mecca and high school ball, but it's not, not for lack of kids out there wanting to do the darn thing, right? I mean, there's a lot of tough physical kids here in the States. And, you know, I think that less was, great about going out to Thomas and going out to Fairview and Noble and these places and, and pulling these kids out, right. And, and giving them opportunities to represent a brand and represent a team that they have been cheering for since they were little kids. And there's a lot of pride in that, right. There's a lot of pride in being an Oklahoma state cowboy or, or an Oklahoma sooner. And I'm, ha I'm thrilled to see Brent get back in the, in the Oklahoma kids. Like as much as, you know, Texas has got talent, um, but give me an Oklahoma kid. That's a 10th too short, you know, in a tenth too slow, and I'll, I'll take that fight any day over a speed a track star from Texas. You know, I, one of the kids that really comes to mind for me is Paul Duran, uh, Midwest City kid. Like he was just an animal, right? He was just one of those guys that he made practice hard. Practice was miserable playing against him because he just didn't know how to do it, but one way, and it was just hard as hell all the time. And so to watch him compete and understanding the he wanted that Bedlam game so bad, he wanted that fight so bad, and I don't know it was just easy to kind of to get on board with these guys and easy to, to understand it when you had a bunch of Oklahoma kids on your team. So you've told us you almost got into a scrap before your very first bedlam. <laughs> you we were doing two of the most memorable games of all time. You may have already answered this question, but do you have a favorite bedlam memory from your days at OSU? Um, my favorite bedlam memory, honestly, would probably be, those first two plays of 2002 when I when it I had that moment of they're not ready for this right like they had talked so much trash coming in uh, to that game and it was all about revenge and they were going to kick our asses and you know it was going to be a slaughter and you know they're not going to look past us again and after those first two plays I'm telling you I knew in my heart without a question that we were getting ready to run them off that field and I'll just never forget what that feeling felt like right when you knew that the opponent wasn't up for the fight they weren't up for the challenge and that we were better prepared and more mentally ready to compete and i'm telling you it was less miles who put us there right less's mentality with this game was it's not a normal game i hate less hated being in oklahoma and hearing nothing but sooner fans talking about bedlam this and bedlam that and it's not a rivalry and look at the record and look at the record but less didn't care about that record he was here and he was new and he was going to start a new tradition and that tradition was taking a foot to Oklahoma's ass. And I just loved them for it. And so, yeah, man, those those first two plays, you know, those first counters where, you know, I, I had a couple of incredible blocks. We gained chunk yardage on the ground, and you just knew that the physicality, the fight was not there for Oklahoma. They weren't ready for that game. Well, put a, you, you've told us what those first two plays were like. Now let's see if you can look into your crystal ball and figure out what this year's game is going to be like because – Obviously, we've got two teams coming in 
seemingly from different perspectives, OSU riding very high, um, unexpectedly so after that South Alabama game. Sam, you and I both, and I, many of us are on record of just, you know, ready to to to, to say that the program was in shambles from oh, that. But yeah. now, but now, you know, looking like the stronger team, playing better. Um, Oklahoma obviously coming in after the loss last week. If you're OU this week, what would concern you most heading into this Bedlam game? I think the thing that probably concerns you the most would be you just play the team in Kansas that prided themselves on physicality also, right? Like Kansas is not flashy or fancy. They're going to line up and hit you in the mouth. They're going to run the football. Uh, they're going to they're gonna be physical at the point of attack. You know, they might have some creativity in some of those plays and show you some different action in the backfield. But at the end of the day, Kansas just wants to get in that fist fight, right? And that's really kind of what you're walking into in Stillwater. The difference is Stillwater at 2.30 will be the hornet's nest. That place will be unhinged to come game time. The fans are super educated and super passionate. They know exactly when to get loud, how to do it. So now you have to battle that fan base along with a football team that has just been, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, to be honest with you, Jenny, none of it, from a football sense, none of this makes sense. Right? Oklahoma State's offensive line in the first three games was miserable to watch. All of a sudden, Ollie Gordon starts taking off, and these guys gain the confidence of Hercules. You're talking about five just, you know, five young men that have gone out there and just have done nothing but just dominate since, you know, that fourth, fifth game of the season. It's been unbelievable watching them grow, but because of the confidence in that running back, Right. And there's some simplification of the offense and some simplification of I don't even know what that's always simplification of words, some yeah. simplifying of the offense. Um, they uh, they really have just kind of they line up and come off the ball and drive block and move bodies out the way and let that big back run. You know, and so uh, I think they're amped up and excited about this game, super confident in themselves. Oklahoma State knows exactly what their identity is. And I think when you add a guy like Alan Bowman behind him, who's a super he's a veteran, he's so relaxed, cool, calm and collected. Uh, in the pocket, you know, he's just out there doing his thing. And if it works, it works. He's going to throw the ball down the field. He's going to take chances when he can. Uh, it just feels right for Oklahoma State, right? They have all that momentum coming in this game. If you're Oklahoma, you're definitely concerned about the the inability for Cincinnati, who's got the best run defense in the league, and a couple of NFL players on that defensive line to stop Oklahoma State from doing anything. I mean, Ollie Gordon was bouncing his head off the, the goalpost at the end of that game. So, yeah, if you're OU, you're looking around at your defensive front and selling them, look, it's up to you guys to, to find a way to stop this from happening. No one else, the defensive line, defensive ends, defensive tackles, and some excellent line play. You guys have got to be the force of the defense in this game, or Ollie Gordon will bounce his head off the goalpost in Stillwater on Saturday. 225 rushing for Kansas last week. So that was the first over 100. And I think, oh, you'd held every team before that to like 159 or something or lower. So pretty good. But Kansas goes for 225 last week. And we know what Ollie Gordon's been up to recently. What about the flip side, though, Sam? If you're OSU, what's the biggest concern for the Cowboys heading into this one? Man, I, I've been really struggling with this game. Um, just trying to break it down in in a way to understand, like to truly understand what's on the field, right? So for me, I think Oklahoma State has the best player in Ollie Gordon. Um, I think that OU has the best quarterback in Dylan Gabriel, and I don't think it's really even close, right? Gabriel, uh, in my opinion, one of the best, you know, top 10 quarterbacks in college football this year. 
that kid is a winner and that kid is a competitor. He is a fighter. He is a great leader. Uh, he has the will to win and he almost did it again last week. You know, he's just, he just wasn't given the opportunity to really, which I find unbelievably strange that he wasn't given the opportunity to save his team again uh, this last weekend against Kansas, but that, that kid is special. And so if you're Oklahoma state, your biggest concern is Dylan Gabriel getting loose in that run game. Uh, and then adding to the run game with throwing the ball down the field. I think Drake Stoops is going to be a problem for them. I think that Austin Stogner might be have his best game of the season uh, this week uh, against Oklahoma State. I think there might be a plan for him to have some success. But I, I think that Gabriel is the, is the X factor. I think if he you know goes for 80 to 100 on the ground, then Oklahoma State really won't have a, a chance in this one if they can control the ball like that. You know, lots of times in games like this, the stars star, and those guys lead the way. Um, but do you think there's anybody on either of these rosters that we might be talking about unexpectedly, you know, around uh, sundown on Saturday, somebody who maybe jumped out that we really didn't expect to? Hmm. That's a great question. I, I think, well, I don't know that we don't expect it. I, I would say Trace Ford has had a pretty good season this year, but it hasn't been jaw dropping by any means. You're right. I think that dude is pretty fired up. I think old trace might be a real conversation within this game for having a pretty amazing dynamic uh, performance against Oklahoma state. And then as far as the Cowboys are concerned, what's the, uh, what's the, the D three receiver. Yeah. Leon Johnson. It might be Leon Johnson who just jumped on the page this last weekend, I was like, who is that kid? You know, they come out to the game and you know how Gundy is, right? He's like, we got some new guys out there. And I'm like, what? What does that mean? <laughs> what do you mean you have some new guys out there? We got three new receivers going to play. And I'm like, oh, this this can't be good. And Leon Johnson walks out there all, what, is he 6'6"? Six, six? Yeah, he's, uh, yeah, 6'5", I think, or 6'6". Six, six. He's huge, tall. Dude is a monster, is an absolute monster. And, you know, sometimes when it comes to receivers and corners, in particular, you know, those positions are so heady. So like you either in good ways and bad ways, good ways, you have a great performance. Well, Leon Johnson probably believes that he's the best receiver on the team going in this weekend, right? Like he's fired up and ready to go. Uh, and on the flip side, you know, if you're a corner and you get beat three, four times in a game, well, then you might carry that the rest of the season. You just never know. But I think Leon Johnson is in a good headspace. I think he'll get some opportunities. He's big, athletic. I think in, you know, Bowman, the way that he throws the deep ball, good Lord knows he needs a six, six receiver because those things, they just float up there like some ducks <laughs> once in a while. So I think Leon might be a, a pretty big role player this weekend. That's good. I like that. Hey, so obviously final bedlam. We all know this is the last one on the schedule. Put yourself in these guys' shoes on Saturday. Does that play a part? What part could that play for the guys that are actually going to decide this game on the field? Yeah, I mean, I think if you are, it probably means more for Oklahoma State, right? Like, I, I think that the the Sooners have dominated the rivalries for so long now that, I mean, they'll be fired up and ready to play. There's no question. But as far as it being the last time for them, I don't know that they're really putting a stamp on like that, like that in Stillwater, like they are in Stillwater, right? This is your final opportunity, you know, to beat this team that's just dominated you for a hundred years of college football. And here you come into the game with a legitimate chance. You know, to me, Jenny, the X factor here is Mike Gundy to 100%. I think Oklahoma State has all the momentum. Ollie Gordon is fantastic. The offensive line is playing great football. Bowman is doing the best that he has done all season long. The defense is 
you know, not necessarily remarkable by any means, but they make the opposing team play a lot of football between the 20s. Reminds me a lot of that 2011 defense, you know, minus the turnovers. Like, it just seems like they're on the field forever, but they're not accomplishing anything, right? (laughs) This last game, I'm pretty sure they had almost 500 yards of offense, but didn't do anything uh, while they were out there. So the defense is in a good place. They got athletes out there, you know, that, uh, oh, was it Nick? Martin? Good Lord. I play with that boy any day. I would line up next to Nick Martin any day of the of the week. That dude is nasty, mean, physical, literally plays to do damage to the other team. They got guys like that on that defense across the board. And so I feel like Oklahoma State is ready for, to win this game. Bottom line is it comes down to Mike Gundy and his willingness to be great, his willingness to roll the dice, his willingness to do whatever it takes to find a way to get it done. You know, I think what we watched this year in the Red River shootout was uh, an example of what two really good coaches look like when a lot is on the line. But both Venables and Sarkeesian, I thought, went after that with everything they had in their bodies to find a way to win that game. And then you loved some of the decisions that were made. And it really just showed you what that game meant to them, right, what the meaning of winning that football game meant to them. And Gundy with this mentality that it's just another game and I feel like he coaches like it's just another game in this, right? I would I would go back and I could sit down with you right now, watch t- the last 10 years or 15 years of Oklahoma State football in Bedlam and show you at least six games where decisions from the sidelines impacted them in a negative way because of passive coaching, right? I, I could literally point them out to you where it was like he deflated his own team, right? Too conservative, playing not to lose, playing not to get blown out. And that can't be the mentality coming into this weekend. Those kids are hot and ready to go. They're feeling themselves. You know, they got a lot of national respect uh, this last week. And Ollie Gordon is a national headline. Some people are talking Heisman Trophy candidate for that kid. There's too much momentum for Gundy to be passive in this game. He is 100% the X factor. If he goes in all in like his team will, the Cowboys will find a way to get it done. Hey, a quick aside before I get a score prediction, and uh, uh, I know who you want to win, but I got to ask you who will win. I will say, I talked to some uh, former Texas and Texas A&M players. The last game in that series was at College Station. Texas wins there, and I know talking to some of those A&M people, that remains one of the, you know, stick in your craw for a very long time. So I think whoever loses this game that's going to stick with them for a long time. So I know who you want to win the game. Who wins on Saturday, Sam? Oh, uh, yeah, I definitely want to see my Cowboys get it done. But about five years ago, I flat out said that it would be tough for me to ever pick Oklahoma State and Bedlam just based off of some of the decisions that were made uh, from the sidelines. And I just do, I feel like this will be another performance from Gundy where it's just not enough, right? Doesn't lean in enough to get it done. But I think it's going to be extremely close. Uh, I think it's, you know, probably a 35-38 sooner win, and uh, it's going to be one hell of a football game, though. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be close. I hope it is because I think this rivalry deserves a close game, a classic type of game to finish out the rivalry. It'd be great to see that on Saturday afternoon. Well, hey, that's all the time we've got for today. Thanks for joining us, Sam. And we know you'll be getting back to inside the, in the trenches with Sam Mays soon, but you joining us here to talk about your week, this game, we can't thank you enough for doing that. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it and look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Absolutely. Be sure to watch In the Trenches with Sam Mays and the Jenny Carlson Show. And you can subscribe to us on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. 
Also, if you like what you hear, please leave a review. And remember, you can find all our work at selloutcrowd.com, jenny-carlson.com, or sam-mays.com. Thanks to everyone for listening, and we'll see you next time.